Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Hello, and welcome to our first post-Thanksgiving edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. I trust that you had a great holiday with family and friends. And as we move on towards the end of the year, let's talk about one of the most common challenges of middle age, coming up short on where we'd like to be. Like I was a few years back, are you faced with this dilemma? You are far from satisfied with certain key aspects of your life today, maybe your current job, your finances, career progression, relationships, perhaps a stressful or boring lifestyle, but at 43, 56, 62, whatever your present age, you feel like you're stuck in the situ- in your current situation. It's too late to change, leave a job, switch careers, maybe even go back to school. But before you give up and cite the all-too-common mournful refrain, if only, let me introduce you to a remarkable individual who puts the too-old-to-change belief to shame. Today's guest, Dr. Diana Lee, entered medical school at age 35, became pregnant at 41, and now in her (laughs) 70s, recently opened a brand new medical practice devoted to pain relief. And now I'm not suggesting that you should run out and apply for medical school, but every one of us can spend far less time regretting the past and the present and move on, like Dr. Lee, concentrating on future possibilities. And by the way, if you, a family member or dear friend, are among the 25.3 million Americans who suffer daily from chronic pain, you'll want to listen in later in the program as Dr. Lee describes her groundbreaking FDA-approved dry needling treatment method for pain relief. But first, let's concentrate on why it's possible to make a radical life or career change at any age. And here's Dr. Annalise's biography. She earned her M.D. at Hahnemann University Medical School in Philadelphia and honed her skills through residency and fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania Hospitals. And I love that hospital because our daughter at one day old was operated on there for a esophageal problem, and uh, she came out just fine. And she's also a board-certified pain management physician with over 15 years' experience experience helping thousands of men and women gain relief from chronic pain, and she's the only physician in the U.S. with a revolutionary FDA-approved dry needling treatment that helps runners with torn hamstrings, contractors with sore backs, injured athletes, and ordinary, ordinary folks like you and me to overcome years of pain and get back in the game. And she recently opened her Bergen Pain and Rehab Medical Practice in northern New Jersey. And hello, Dr. Lee. We're indeed honored to have you with us here today. Hello. Well, let's start from the beginning. Your undergraduate degree was a B.A. in English Literature, and then you went on to earn a master's degree in audiology and speech pathology. 
in your uh, 30s, what inspired you to enter medical school about 10 years later than the typical aspiring MD? Yes, I um, after I got my um, master's degree in audiology, yeah. I was uh, working at the University of Pennsylvania as an audiologist. Oh, I the moment I was exposed to <clears throat> medicine, I realized that I could <clears throat> become a physician rather than working as an audiologist for the rest of my life. So I started taking science courses. And then I applied to medical school. Oh, wow. Did your decision to become a physician occur in a sudden burst of inspiration, or did it occur after months and months of deliberation and planning? Actually, um, I was not uh, confident that I could be uh, accepted by the medical school, so I applied to less uh, difficult, at least in my mind at that time. I applied to... Uh, dental school, oh. and uh, and I was accepted by the um, the University of um, Pennsylvania Dental School. Oh. And one physician, uh, actually one um, uh, professor, told me that with your uh, GPA and all the other things, you can easily go into medical school. Why don't you think about medical school instead? So yeah, I got the was- confidence. That would be a lot more interesting than to spend your life drilling teeth, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a good decision. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, uh, once you decided to become a physician, what were the first steps you took to launch your journey? I guess you took some science courses, you said, first. or uh... Pardon me? I said, did you? what were your first steps when you decided to become a physician? I think you mentioned uh, you took some basic science courses. Or, uh... Yeah. Uh, as a, um, uh, because I majored in English literature, it had nothing to do with any science courses That's like sure. a biology, chemistry. Yeah. So, and I, I never liked the physics when I was in high school. Welcome to oh, the Oh, I had a headache. <laughs> I yeah. Too. <laughs> I, yeah, I ha- I started having a headache when I was thinking about physics and chemistry. What happened was once I put my um goal into going to medical school, yeah. the motivation was so strong I didn't have any option to whether like it or not. Yeah. So I got like a very low grade in physics on the first time, and I had to drop it because I had to get all A's to get into medical school. So um, I said in that course to get A, studied, even studied the question and answers to get 100 in in the exam next semester. Oh, and that's how I got all A's and got into medical school well, that's uh, without any problem. That motivate it shows how if you're really motivated enough, you'll overcome the hurdles, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that that's that's um that was the amazing experience to me. Well, at age 35, did you uh, find that there were some age-related challenges you faced? Uh, how were you able to pay the bills through those long years of medical education and residency, all that good stuff? Obviously, it was very difficult because my husband was a um, professor 
and oh. professors do not make a lot of money. No. Uh, luckily, in his school, private school, Drexel University, I did not have to pay tuition. Oh, so that's good. It was easy. And you didn't. And you the other thing had a was place to live, <laughs> so you didn't have to pay for yeah. the room. <laughs> the other thing is, I only had one outfit for for the winter. Once oh. one winter, I wore the same clothing every uh, Sunday when I went to uh, church, and it didn't bother me because <laughs> I have clear goal in my mind. Yeah, that's so so important. Well, uh, was your husband uh, totally on board with your decision to do that, or uh, I know some actually, of us were he was the one. Oh, that's actually great. he was the one who kind of persuaded me to go into medical school. Well, that's wonderful. It's it's so important you have support from your spouse and family when you do something like that. Yeah, create tremendous. Uh, Attention. Well, following years of successfully treating patients, in your 70s, you launched a new pain relief. I am not 70. I'm 68. Oh, okay. I thought it said you were launching a new <laughs> practice in your 70s in the promotion. <laughs> Almost 70. Okay. Well, anyway, at the 68 is beyond normal retirement age, and you launched a new pain relief practice in northern New Jersey. And what inspired you to launch this new venture at an age when most of us retire to play cards, go fishing, or sit on a bench in the park? <laughs> um, I, I had a, a large private practice back in 2000 oh. with the 22 employees oh, and, wow. and a very large two-story building. And um, since I was working so hard under so much physical and mental stress, I ended up becoming a cancer patient. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, I was unable to continue. And then uh, after uh, the big break uh, with for the treatment for the cancer and everything, I recovered. And oh, then wonderful. I um, decided to reopen my practice for this uh, procedure because uh, my husband... Uh, wanted to do it as well. He's the one who invented the medical device. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Pretty because he, uh, And after he retired from his professorship, he went to acupuncture school oh. to do this procedure himself. Oh, so he, he became an acupuncturist, and he really told me that his bucket list, number one, bucket list is to use this procedure. Let the world know about this treatment before we go to hopefully heaven. Oh, that's great. Well, let's talk what about... Happened, uh, oh, go yeah, what happened was... Yes, one, one thing. I, I'm sorry. The, um, we got the uh, FDA back in 2004. Oh. And because of my health and my husband Young's health, uh, we simply could not continue at that time. So we, uh, for, to get the FDA approval, we spent the three and a half hours doing the clinical trial study and all. And then after getting the approval, we simply couldn't continue. So we felt that more than anything, it was important for us to uh, do the practice 
so that people suffering from pain couldn't know about this treatment. Yeah. Well, I'm even more inspired now that I know you went through a bout with cancer and uh, are proceeding oh, yeah. on as well as you are. But uh, let's talk a bit about the chronic pain uh, that you had before and uh, and that you have your neck and the back, sports injury, car accident, or slip and fall. There's all kinds of things that uh, cause that chronic pain. And the accident, let's say, occurred three months ago, but you still suffer continuously from chronic pain. Can you explain why this pain won't go away, even though the uh, injury appears healed? Uh, what's going on there that uh, causes yes, This is what happened uh, briefly. I did not have any pain whatsoever until age 41. Oh. And at 41, I unexpectedly had my son, and at that time, I was an anesthesia resident. And because of the labor being so physically traumatic, wow. and then there was a medical complication with uh, uh, retained placenta, I, after the baby was delivered, I was hospitalized and all with medical problems. So I was unable to function as a physician. So seven months, I was on disability. And after that, I could not think of going back to anesthesia residency. So I changed my specialty to physical medicine and rehab. Oh, I see. That was a... And that's when I started. That's actually. (laughs) Yes, yes. In disguise for all of us. Will you tell us... It is... well, we don't have to live in pain or medicate it away. Tell us a bit about your revolutionary FDA-approved dry needling treatment, or as you call it, the Automated Intramuscular Stimulator, or A-IMS treatment. How is that different and more effective than traditional manual needling methods? Absolutely. I would love to. I, After my son was born at age 41, I became a... Uh, pain patient. Yeah. It started in the back, in the mid-back region and quickly spread to my neck and I was suffering from severe headache, neck pain, and I had to wear soft cervical color all the time. Oh, wow. So when I was starting my residency, everybody knew me, not because I'm a uh, I'm from Asia, <laughs> but because I was wearing the cervical color all the time. <laughs> and then I was introduced to this treatment called IMS, intramuscular stimulation. Yeah. It was at that time was administered by using an acupuncture needle with a plunger and it was oh. done manually. However, yeah. I was completely pain free at uh, from all those severe pain after three months of treatment. And after that, I said to myself, I'll never do anything else. This is what I'll be doing for the rest of my career. Oh, wow. And, and you're, you're I started husband. doing it. Yeah. And because it was repetitive motion, uh, the, the, the treatment required a lot of repetitive motion, uh, inserting a needle and then moving up and down uh, constantly from 9 to 5, sometimes until 8.30 in the evening. Wow. I developed a severe pain, even worse than before. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it from doing that all day. That would be very dramatic. However, I was so 
like a like a interested in doing this and I was so happy getting the patients better I did not know what I was doing and um uh, by the time we were unable to treat any patients my attending and myself both of us we uh simply had to stop at that time young my husband who was a professor at Drexel University yeah. at the department of chemical engineering yeah. invented this medical device. Yeah, that's where the automated uh, IMS yes. comes in. <laughs> automated intramuscular stimulator. Yeah. We, I had to do the clinical trials. Uh, I'm sorry. At that time, it was patented because it's a new technology. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I got out from University of Pennsylvania because I was too injured to do anything. So I got out and I opened my practice, a small practice, very small, and then um, gradually built, but in, after two years, it became a very, very busy practice because I was able to get the patient better. So all the patients were coming. And um, basically, all in all, I have treated about 2,000 severely injured chronic pain patients with an, about 95% success rate. Yeah. Well, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. Let's say a listener who suffers from chronic pain lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Spokane, Washington, anywhere in the country or, for that matter, in the world. Do you have patients from uh, other than the northern New Jersey area that come to your clinic for treatment, or uh, what's the story on that? Yes, I have uh, recently. I have treated a gentleman, 59-year-old uh, gentleman who has been who had been suffering from sciatica pain for six years. Cool. He came up here, stayed in a um, Holiday Inn, and was getting the treatment every day, and was able to achieve uh, about. 80%, at least 80% of pain relief in his leg and low back. And he was absolutely, thoroughly impressed and happy. Well, that's wonderful. So it's probably worth the journey. For, if you're in chronic pain, it certainly would be worth the journey and the expense to travel to, uh, to New Jersey. As of the present, though, that's the only place that people can go to get that treatment, your revolutionary treatment. Unfortunately, and I, I would like to change that um, whole situation in my lifetime. God willing, it will happen because it is such a shame that all these pain patients are going through the same pathway Physical therapy, when they develop pain, yeah. doctors usually prescribe physical therapy, then chiropractic treatment, then acupuncture, then like a trigger point injection or spinal injections like epidural. And then if patient happens to have some kind of herniated disc in the MRI, then they are advised to have surgery. And the patients are, because they are suffering so Miserably, yeah. sometimes they say, what can I lose? I cannot live my life anyway. I yeah. will go for the surgery. And then later on, they either have no change in their pain or sometimes worse off than they were before. Well, and I hard. see these kind of patients all the time. Yeah. Well, where can our listeners go to learn more about your uh, 
automated inter- intramuscular simulator treatment method and, uh, um, and make an appointment or get get to know find out more about your uh, clinic and everything else. Where is your website they should go to for that? Yeah, website is Bergen Pain and Rehab dot com. V E R G E N. Yeah, Bergen Pain. That's a county in New Jersey. If people wonder where you got the name, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, quickly, they can just call me, 201-925-0315, and I will always uh, be kind and uh, nice to them, explaining everything over the phone even, so that they can be uh, informed. And they can also reach you by email. What's that address? Okay, Dr. Lee Wan, B-R-L-E-E-1, it's the number optimum. one, not written out, right? Just the uh, right. The it's one. number one yeah. at optimum.net. Yeah, that's Dr. Lee, one at optimum.net. Well, I can only imagine what it would be like to come and go throughout the day, every day, riddled with constant pain. And having said that, I'm no fan of opioids or of all these other, uh, certainly an operation or these these medicines that only mask the pain rather than removing it and can lead to addiction and other highly negative side effects. And as Dr. Anna Lee informs us today, there's a better way. And I urge you to go to her website to learn more about her game-changing FDA-approved AIMS dry needling treatment method. And uh, tune in. uh, Can I add one more thing? Yes, certainly. In the website, uh, I encourage people to... Uh, pay attention to two things. 12-minute video is professionally made, explaining the procedure and uh, the whole thing. And then uh, there's patient testimonial section with the patient's name and their photographs, and then uh, their whole testimonial. 66 of those are in my website. They can read and they can identify Oh, this is what I have. Oh, the patient got better. Then I can most likely get better. That's yeah. how they can start. That's wonderful. I highly recommend you go to her website, bergenpainandrehab.com. And uh, uh, by the way, if uh, she can enter med school at age 30, have a baby at 41, go through uh, cancer, and uh, then open a pain clinic in her, uh, at 68, and I thought it was in her 70s, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, promotion was a little inaccurate. Uh, but you can accomplish big things as well in life's second half, and I know Dr. Anna Lee is an inspiration for me, and I'm sure for you also. And good guy- bye for now, Dr. Anna, and best of success with your clinic, and Godspeed in getting out the uh, message how that AMA-IMS works so that we can uh, make it convenient for everybody to get. Thank you so very much, Mr. Richard. Well, at middle age, most of us own at least one life insurance policy. In all likelihood, if we have children, we bought life insurance from a friendly agent when our kids were little, maybe newborn, to protect the spouse and kids in the unlikely event of our passing before they were fully grown and had completed their college. But today, for many of us, our kids are fully grown and may have moved out, even started a family of their own. And here's a valid question to consider, whether or not you still are paying premiums on your present policy. Do I really need to maintain my current level of coverage? 
And if I own a whole life insurance policy, is its cash value a good place to grow my assets? And, uh, well, here's a shocker. My next guest informs that the majority of life insurance policyholders own policies they are never going to benefit from. And I'll wager that you weren't aware that of the 330 million policies in the U.S. alone, with a total face value over $18 trillion, 90% of them will never last until maturity. And my guest, David Kotler, the insurance doctor, compares hanging on to insurance you don't need to betting on a poker hand you know you're not going to win. <laughs> There's simply no reason to do it. And uh, David is here today to talk about the biggest mistakes that uh, buyers and policyholders make regarding their life insurance policies. And he's also here to tell us how you and I, or perhaps our elderly parents, can tap into unneeded life insurance policies to generate money now for vacations, charitable giving, helping their kids through college, caring for loved ones, or more. And David Kotler has a law degree and is a nationally recognized speaker, author, and entrepreneur who combines his legal and business expertise in helping folks like you and me leverage and obtain maximum benefit from our life insurance policies. And through his financial advisory company, The Insurance Doctor, he draws upon years of financial planning experience to create game-changing results for clients through his innovative trademark, True Value Life Insurance Review Process. And over the past few years, he's generated over $30 million in cash and tax benefits for clients and he's author of two books, including the latest we'll talk about today, The Best-Kept Money Secret in Your Life Insurance Policy, What Life Insurance Companies Won't Tell You. And hello, David Kotler. It's indeed a privilege and an honor to have you with us today. Oh, I'm, I'm very, very pleased to be here with you. I appreciate you asking me to join you on your show. Well, for many of us, life insurance technology is highly confusing. I know this is very basic, but... Can you briefly explain the difference between a whole life and a term life insurance policy? Certainly. Um, <clears throat> a term insurance policy is, is just as the, the name may infer, is that you're buying it for a, a, a term of years, a, a specific term. Um, so, in other words, if you're young and you want to protect your family um, in the unlikely event of somebody passing away prematurely before they've been able to raise their kids and get them through school, I think term is an excellent product to buy. Or if you're trying to satisfy a bank and you've got a real estate deal and they want something collateralized for a certain term period, you know, term insurance is good. That's it's a very, policy you want to expire worthless, <laughs> actually. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, 99.9% .9 of term policies don't pay off. Yeah. But I, I had a client that had a $10 million term policy, and he he died in an untimely manner, and the company porked out a $10 million payment. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he'd only paid about $100,000 into the policy. Okay. So it, it, uh, it, it, you know, what is insurance? Insurance means shifting the risk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a a um, a parent who cares about his family doesn't want to leave his family unprotected. So term insurance has its place, um, but it's for a, a period of time. Many people buy what they call permanent insurance, and permanent insurance could be um, something that could be a whole life or it could be a universal life. 
but the intention behind the purchase was that you would have the policy at maturity. In other words, at death, the family is going to benefit from it. And um, for a variety of reasons, 90% of these policies end up lapsing. And to, to distill the problem in a nutshell, because, you know, I could talk about the fact that 60% of the policies that are out there are what we call orphan policies. They don't even have an agent associated with them because insurance is a tough business. People get in it. They get out of it. Like you say, they both to their friends when they were younger, but they can't make a living at it. And the bottom line is people need expert advice, and they're not going to get it without consulting with an expert. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Well, on your yeah, website, lifeinsurancedoctor.com, you highlight seven biggest mistakes buyers of insurance make regarding their life insurance policies. And we don't have time to go through all seven, but can you please highlight two or three of the worst mistakes that uh, insurance buyers make? Okay. So here's a very, very big mistake. Sometimes agents will tell people, uh, hey, when your policy, a permanent policy gets to a certain point, you can borrow against your cash values that are in the policy to pay your ongoing premiums. Yeah. And that's fine as long as that policy lasts to maturity. But if there is a loan in place, on a policy, and that policy lapses. And it wasn't that the policyholder took any cash out of it even. He just used it to pay the ongoing premiums. Hmm. But if the policy lapses before the person dies, that the insurance carrier is going to send a, a note to the IRS, and the amount of the loan due to the company is going to be treated as forgiveness of debt taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Wow. And this is a huge financial loss that most people are not aware of. So that's, wow. a, that's a big mistake. Yeah, what's, what's the second mistake that, that people often make? And, uh... I think the second biggest mistake is, is turning their policies back into the carrier if they don't want them. <laughs> you know, we, we have a process that generates on average six to eight times as much money for the policy owner through an auction process to institutional buyers that want those policies on older people and are willing to pay a heavy, a pretty penny for them. Yeah. That's what anybody knows about those, I think. (laughs) Right. I think think there's $22 trillion, I'm sorry, $22 billion a year of lapsed policies that could have been sold for money. Wow. Well, on your website, you offer a free download of the full list of seven. How can our listeners obtain that list? Well, if if they go to Life Insurance Doctor, and that's not spelled out, that's lifeinsurancedr.com. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of information uh, available on there. Um, we're, in the, we're in the business of offering free reviews of existing policies as long as they're a certain size. We want to help people get the money that they need to do the things like you were mentioning earlier, you know, yeah. to you know, cover their medical expenses. We're just going into a really fantastic new program where an associate of mine who's an attorney who's been involved in, in generating um, 
a prayer prayer list actually for lots and lots of cancer patients. Oh. That's really a, a, a targeted group that we want to help get money, help them get back on their feet, utilizing their policies to get cash through a variety of methods, which we want to What a wonderful to use for a policy. That's really putting your insurance to work for you. Right. I mean, that's that's the point. Like, you know, I was brought up to hate waste. And, and when you see all this waste, and, and there's a reason. And I'm not knocking the insurance carriers. I, I, I have insurance. I own it. I believe in it. But there's a reason why when you walk down the streets of New York or San Francisco or Boston or Chicago, who's got the biggest buildings on the street? <laughs> like the Transamerica Tower. You got, you, you got it. You, you, I mean, if you had a product that you're paying month after month, year after year, and 90% of them don't pay off, that's a pretty good business. Well, folks generally don't ex- associate unwanted life insurance with philanthropy, but uh, you can, can you suggest innovative ways to use unwanted insurance policies for charitable gifts and great Absol- tax deductions? I guess you mentioned that a little bit ago. but Yeah, well, absolutely, because you, it's, it's very difficult. If a person has a life insurance policy they own, and they could go to their favorite charity and say, hey, you know, I'd like to give you this policy. The likelihood of the charity wanting that policy is, is probably less than 3%. Hmm. Number one, they don't have the expertise to manage the policy to make yeah. sure it's going to last to maturity. Yeah. Number two, they're going to have to put money into it, and they don't know, again, they don't know how to manage it. Yeah. Number, three, number three, the donor is going to have to go out and pay Five to ten thousand dollars to go get an to get a uh, an a uh, certified appraisal oh, of wow. what he's giving because <laughs> you know if you're giving something that's got a, a value greater than five thousand dollars you must have an appraisal. Oh, so rather than try to give them something they don't want and it costs you money to give it on top, if they would sell the policy, if the policy has value. They can yeah. sell the policy. Now they've got cash, right? And then give the proceeds to there the charity. There you go, cash. <laughs> Any charity wants a cash gift. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, that's a great idea. But, uh, let's talk for a moment about your great new book, The Best Kept Money Secret in Your Insurance Policy. Uh, your book subtitle mentions attorneys, CPAs, nonprofits, trustees, and advisors. Is your book written primarily for professionals or can... Life insurance buyers also benefit. Well, that, that's a great that's a great question. I, I really tried to hit the midpoint in terms of you know not being too technical, yeah. where the layperson is going to pick it up and say, oh, I don't want to read this, <laughs> and and not make it too rudimentary, where the professional is going to say, Well, yeah, I know insurance has a death benefit. Well, so people, I, I, when they think about reading about insurance, it's good bedtime reading, right? <laughs> exactly. We could sell with CVS along with the sleep aids. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think the book would have value for anybody that would look at it because there's a lot of case histories there, a lot of case yeah. studies. Oh. And, you know, people respond to stories. There's a lot of stories about how people were able to find money and make money and help themselves through the process, I think that's, those are probably the, the most interesting points and would be valuable, but it's, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk with anybody, email, go to the website, download the papers, 
you know, you want to uh, mail a copy of the book if you send me a request for it. So, well, if there were one do, primary message you would like a reader to take away from your book, what would it be? I think I can guess. <laughs> what, what, would your, what, what would your guess be? My guess would be that, uh, you know, there's gold in them there hills in your policy that you aren't aware of that uh, you could be taking advantage of right now if you no longer really need the coverage. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, yeah, and, and the, the bottom line, you have to get some expert advice. Talk to somebody local if they're experts. Talk to somebody expert to help you evaluate what you have, yeah. what the problems might be, or what your what your benefits could be. Well, what that, you have, uh, what, that trademark uh, method you have on uh, how to, can they go to your website? How do they get hold of that method that uh, helps them evaluate what they're whether they're paying too much or what the value is. Well, that, that's, that's, that's what's delivered through the review process. I see. Yeah. And they should go to your website to check on uh, how to obtain that review Yeah, they, they go to the website. We do a free review. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, yeah. where, can, where can people go to uh, get a hold of your book to preview and purchase it? Well, uh, I, we're going to be putting it on Amazon right now. It's just uh, you know available uh, you know through the through the web or you know through the website or yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be you know and I, I I really use it as speaking engagements um, you know to give it to, to give it to professionals so they can be educated to help their clients because it's just an appalling lack of information yeah. and education that even the attorneys and the CPAs and advisors. There, it's, it's a huge amount of waste, and there's there's such a need for turning that waste into something productive. Yeah, you point out you've generated over $30 million in cash and tax benefit to your clients, so it's certainly worth uh, paying attention to. And like me, I'm certain you've seen the uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance commercial where a young gentleman <laughs> hurls his wallet full of cash into New York's <laughs> Upper Bay. And well, got some great as so eloquently explained by my guest, David Kotler, that's almost precisely what most of us are doing by ignoring and not taking advantage of our policy's hidden cash values. And Lord knows the complex way most insurance policies are written, it takes an expert to figure it out. And I guess that's the way the companies want it, because it's they and not the Baywaters that are receiving all that squandered cash. (laughs) If you presently own a whole life policy or a variety thereof, I highly recommend you become the expert by previewing and purchasing David Kotler's book, The Best Kept Money Secret in Your Insurance Policy, and launch his innovative True Value Life Insurance Review Process. And for God's sake, don't be among the 90% of American policyholders who let their policies lapse worthless prior to maturity. And thanks to me and David Kotler for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And best of success on sale of your book and on your financial advisory service. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week. We'll, we'll discuss how your fears, surprisingly, actually can lead to happiness. Talk to you then from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 